thanks for joining us for another intriguing edition of the Stat Pack. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery, because that's what we're here to do, guys. We're a podcast, and we talk about unsolved mysteries. Hello, welcome. For free! Hello. This is free content. You don't ever have to pay for it. But we do have a Patreon that we set up, and you can go ahead and donate so we can get new mics. Just kidding. We don't really have that. But if you really want us to, you can go ahead and tweet us at the Stack Pack, or hit us up on Instagram. And ask us if you want to give us money. Let us know if you want us to have a Patreon. Let us know if you want to give us money. <laughs> yeah, give us give us money, guys. We need a. Uh... Just kidding. Don't give us any money. What's up, guys? <laughs> we're uh, we're covering episode season three, episode fifteen, 15 14, 16, fucking something. 14, who knows? 14. <laughs> season three, episode fourteen. Right? No, no. This is fifteen. <laughs> you know why Are I you think sure you're always 15? off. I thought it was sixteen. It's 15. For those of you who don't know, David, David seems to always have to get his head out of his ass. No, I'm just kidding. He really needs to get his head, like, because you're, you're, you, we record one and then you have to go back the next week and edit it. Yeah. So you're like always like a week behind. So I, I understand why you don't I haven't know edited last, I haven't edited the episode before this. So my head's stuck in 14 territory, babies. Yeah. Oh, that was a good year. <laughs> uh, yeah, twenty fourteen. Oh, and year. not just that, you're also having to deal with our social media and like posting from the week before. So it's like it kind of gets confusing. I'll give you a pass. Yeah. And I started the Stack Pack Wiki where we where we log all of our dick jokes in case you like want to look them up. You can see which episode. Did, just kidding. It does do, not exist. They're they're even time stamped. So if you just want to hear that particular dick joke, you can just click on it, and it that, takes you right there. Stack Man. pack dick joke wiki. Hashtag stack pack dick joke. Um, <laughs> I thought it was uh, the uh, stack pack dictionary. That's pretty. <laughs> um, I like that. I like Golf that too. Clap. We'll go with that. Golf clap. Everybody. Anyways, we're, oh, the dick hive. Okay, so I really like this episode. There's like three cases. <clears throat> One is treasure and dumb. Um, the. <laughs> The other Treasure. two, the other two are really cool, um, really sad. Yeah, we're gonna talk about a thirteen-year-old really? going on thirty-six. Yeah, really sad and <laughs> fucked up, but at least interesting. So the first case, yeah, unexplained death. Let's uh, let me take you back to June fourth of nineteen eighty-nine in Spokane, Washington. It was one a.m. when um, friends come up on a body they're driving down a highway and they come up on a body laying in the middle of the highway this body belongs to a 13 year old kid named russell evans um he apparently had been hit by a car and he was barely alive this lady was like holding him in her arms and you know trying to see if he was okay and she was like squeezing his hand and they rushed the kid to the hospital and they work on him all night. We're talking about like 12, you know, like uh, cl- closer to 1 a.m. at night when th- they find him. And and they work all night trying to fix him up. And uh, unfortunately, the kid did pass away at 9, 10 a.m. the next morning. Yeah. So for, what, four, seven to eight hours they worked on him? Yeah. It's, this this story really does suck. Um, Sue Evans is uh, a prominent talking head in the segment. She's... The unfortunate mother of this poor kid. Um, the cops rule it as a hit and run and just say it was a terrible, terrible accident. But the parents just don't think so. They kind of like see his body and they don't think that it matches up. But 
But we'll get to that later. In true Unsolved Mysteries fashion, in the middle of the mystery, they tell you the awful thing that happened, and then they give you some background on the family. So this kid was a popular eighth grader. He was like six. He was six three, six foot yeah. three inches at the age of thirteen. That's huge. I'm not even six three, and I'm a full grown thirty two year old male. <laughs> yeah, I'm six um, two. Dan and I are like. I'm like a little under six two. We're like six yeah, two you, eight range. You guys You're are six two, like on the dot, and I'm just like shy of it. it, it you guys are yeah, giants. It, it's it's. I don't know. Like there's a thing where everybody thinks they're like you must be six four because I'm six feet, and I'm like homie, you're not six feet, man. <laughs> like, I'm like a, six foot one and seventh eight seven eighths. I, I I'm actually. I mean, according to every time I get measured, I'm barely under six two as well. But everyone's like, dude, well, you're six five, and I'm like. No, somebody told you you were six feet, but you're like five nine. <laughs> Chill, brother. When was the last time you measured up? I don't know. Did, um, did, did you check your check your mom's uh, height chart? Did she did she still mark you? I, I was making yeah. a bad dick joke. Wait, wait, okay. are, 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 are you joking? Because there's a no, no, no. I really want to know. There's a fucking chart in in the house that has like the Rivera kids and all the dudes. You haven't seen this in my house? Like no, everybody's no. marked their height. Yeah, like like like, like now we use it for the Rivera kids, but you, you can you look up there, and there's like little Chris, and there, like there's like a lot, like dude, like Chris Spencer. <laughs> Seriously, like, and they're all from like 2015 or four. You know, like when That's we were clearly funny. already grown adults. <laughs> now we're shrinking. We're going the other way. Like he so, just... he was a popular eighth grader. This kid was six foot three. Into LARPing. Uh, he was into LARPing, as we see from some pictures. He had some cool knight's armor. He was 13 years old. This is fucking sad. The picture of the kid you see really breaks your heart. He looks like a, just a fucking uh, a boy. It sucks. Unsolved Mysteries talks to his friend Aaron. His friend said he was super cool. He spent almost every day with him, and he was so funny. Uh, the dad tells us about how he had plans to go to UCLA and already knew what he wanted to study, something about, like, electrical engineering or something? Yeah, he wanted to get a degree in electrical engineering. Um, And he, he was just – he seemed like a neat kid. Sucks. So – Well, the kid that they got to play him was, like – 5'8". <laughs> looked like a – Yeah, like yeah. A, in the reenactment, there's, like, that shot of them all playing basketball together. And he's, he's the shortest one playing? No, he's – well, he's not even the tallest kid, like – playing on the court which is he's not the shortest kid but yeah <laughs> um so he was hanging out with his buddies at the park that night the night that he was would eventually eventually be you know found dead or almost dead yeah so give us the time frame of his evening leading up to his body being discovered he he was like in the early night he was hanging out with a bunch of kids at this park and two teens come up and start arguing about Aaron's girl. They, they say something about Aaron's girlfriend. And Aaron's the friend that we mentioned. Um, Just a few moments ago. Yeah, yeah, who said that, like, yeah, he was a funny kid. And one of his, like, it's best, like, his best friend spent every day with him. And these kids apparently came up and were saying something about Aaron's then-girlfriend. And they were getting into Aaron's face when uh, poor Ru- uh, Russell kind of broke it up. You know, he said, like, you know, don't, you know, just, like, leave it alone. You don't know what you're, you know what you're saying. Once Russell intervened, Aaron kind of recalls that uh, one of the kids said something along the lines of "You better watch out, or I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get some of my homeboys on you." 
Like that was kind Get of Get my homeboys on you, yeah. That was his direct quote from the Unsolved Mysteries segment. <laughs> this happened in the early evening, right? So what like what happened next? Like what So after um the tall kid gets in the way, they uh um they get in their car and they leave. So they hang out in the park for a little bit more, and then uh, Russell spends the rest of his evening at a friend's house where they're hanging out, where he leaves pretty close to midnight. But before he leaves, he calls his dad and lets him know that he's on his way home. Um, On his way home, he actually runs into a friend who has a sweet uh, child mullet. (laughs) And a bike. And uh, what was his name? Saeed? Saeed. Saeed. I think it's pronounced Saeed. It's like a like a like a Middle Eastern kind of name, right? No, it wasn't Saeed. Well, they call him Said or Saeed. Saeed. They call Saeed. him Saeed. They call him Saeed. They call him Saeed. But it's pronounced Saeed. when they spell it S A D E, but it's no, spelled like S A Y. No, it's S Y E D. It's spelled like Saeed. It's it really is. But he does have a child huh. mullet. He's a white child. I don't know. Yeah, but white child with anything. a Middle Eastern name, I guess, whatever. <laughs> and you can cut that out. So anyways, Russell runs into this kid, and he's on his bike, and he kind of tells this, his buddy Saeed or Saeed about the skirmish that happened and kind of that these kids got in Aaron's face, and they went away, and he said he wasn't worried about him. He said he was about to beat somebody up. He kind of was bragging. You know, he was kind of like. Yeah, he was kind of like riled up. He's like, yeah, like yeah. if it would have come to a fight, like I would have jumped in. Like I would have been like. Yeah, know, like, he was kind of on he's the. like razzed about it. Like, he, Well, still, it was kind of like the after effects of the adrenaline of oh, yeah. being in a confrontation. I think we can all relate. Mm-hmm. My, my next question is, who lets a 13-year-old just like roam around town at midnight? Well. I guess that's. I mean, uh, that's, my parents. That's how it was. Well, they didn't let him, but you do it. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's how it was too. Yeah, and, and and yeah, he said he was coming home from his parents. Like he called his dad, like I'm walking home, letting him know. You know, I don't know. And it's the '80s too, early '80s. And and I don't think the dad. I mean, the guy, the kid was six three. You don't yeah. necessarily mess. No matter how, what his age is, he, he probably looks like a big dude. Anyways, uh, the, yeah, that, totally. fa- that, that face is still too childish. Like, uh, yeah, but it was. Like, oh, it's a tall, lanky yeah, kid. I guess it's. We'll dark. get into it because the way he died, they might not have from the back. They might not have seen a tall, lanky kid. They might just have seen a six foot man. Yeah, mm. let's fuck with this guy. You know who knows? But we'll get into that. So, um, the coroner says that he was hit by a car. They think that he was hit in the back by a bumper and an ornament. And they said that his shoes and shoelaces were separated from his body. Because that's what happens, right? Which is weird. The, the, when you get hit by a car, your shoelaces automatically fly off your, your shoes. Shoes, yeah. I know it's cartoony, but I, I've heard of that happening. But, like, yeah, shoelaces. And, yeah, his shoes and shoelaces were 86 feet away from the body. Yeah, like when Drop Dead Fred. This is when the parents are just like, are, this is fucking weird. Are you guys familiar with Drop Dead Fred when he gets hit by that truck and then his feet his shoes just stay there on the on the pavement. Well, yeah, it's a shoe. Yeah, that's a cartoony thing. Yeah. And that's actually apparently how it happens sometimes. But shoelaces? No. I don't know. And he even says inexplicably look- the shoelaces were removed from the shoes, which, yeah. The shoes were delaced. The parents get this police report, and they're kind of looking into it because they don't believe what they said. There's three spots of places with blood, which is weird if someone's just getting hit by a car. Um, like, yeah, laces separated from shoes. There was pools of, there was three pools of blood over a 30 foot area. That's, that wouldn't happen if you're just 
you know, you get hit by a car and you fly 75 feet and you land there, you know, it doesn't make sense that there'd be pools of blood in all these different places on the shoelace part of it. Um, the dad was noting that one of the crime scene photos shows one of the shoelaces that's separated from a shoe and the kid and it's got a little blood on it. Yeah. So they thought that was weird. If you get hit by a car and yeah, let's say your shoelaces do fly off or I'm sorry, your shoes fly off your body or your person when you get hit by the car. Uh, chances of there being blood highly unlikely only because it would probably, I assume it would happen fast. Um, yeah, it makes it's it doesn't. I mean, it's, make sense. it's weird. It doesn't add up. The whole the whole thing is just doesn't add up. So apparently, they I guess the parents hire a pathologist, and he kind of he confirms what they said that he was he died by getting hit by a car, but he kind of, but he also says that the kid seems like he's pretty sure the kid was in a fight before he was struck by the vehicle. Right. He said the bruises on the back were inconsistent. Especially if you're being hit by something as even as a back of a bumper. Mm-hmm. These bruises were way more sporadic. And the dad kind of says it, it, it had to have been a blunt object. But baseball bat or two by four, you know. And the parents also think that he was, you know, beaten by a bunch of kids. Well, the physics does kind of make sense. Like he, he was saying like the, the bruise on, on Russell, Russell's back. Uh, was inconsistent of a bumper, and what he means by that is when the car hit him, if it was the bumper, the his body would have received the force from that object evenly across the back, whereas if it's a baseball bat, one part of the bat's going to make contact to the body before the rest, so you have that dissipation, so one part of the bruise is going to be a lot more predominant than the rest of the bruise. Yeah, and he said they were too sporadic. Like it would have been like that—that's what he meant by sporadic. Like, it would have just been a solid hard yeah. line, not not a fading or a, a gradient of a bruise. Yeah. So we've talked about this a lot. You know, parents not wanting to believe that their kids committed suicide or just died of a terrible random act. Um, a random accident, just a freak random accident. accident. Yeah, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but you know, I mean, they they never totally throw them up on unsolved mysteries without you know, good uh, evidence that there might be some funny business. Also, he had he had bruises on his fingers. The, the dad, like, even said, he says the word, like, we think he was beaten up, but we think he did get some licks in because he had, he had bruises on his fingers and scrapes and things like that, right? Well, he yeah, he said uh, they, he showed signs that he got licks in, like, you know, it looked like he had punched something or uh, basically bloodied his knuckles, if you will. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he also looked like he'd been beaten up, like, Bruises around the face, you know, there, there would have been scrapes. They found uh, they found finger markings or finger bruising is what what the uh, the detective referred to it as. Yeah, like on the face and stuff. Like right? as if, like you know, like if two people like grabbed his forearms and held him in place while someone took swings at him, that tight grip on the forearm would leave a bruising indentation indentation from where that person grabbed of how bad they were or how tightly they were grabbed. Right. Right. Yeah, and they they interview the the lady that one of the two individuals that found him, right? Oh yeah, she's a big part of this. Yeah, they talk to her as the paramedics, uh, and this next part that she gives is a little interesting. Um, when she gets there, she you know she's asked what happened and how the state that she found him in, um, and she says that you know as we mentioned before. At, as he was writhing in pain, she was kind of sitting there with him as the paramedics were on their way. And uh, she said that he was really, you know, grasping her. And we, we did cover that already. Um, and as she 
she's sitting there, she's asking him what happened, and he just started yelling for somebody named Brian. He was saying, Brian, help me up, help me up, help me. And uh, she said... She thought it was as if Brian should have been around. Like maybe he was in the like distance he was within somewhere. Yeah. yeah, she didn't see anybody at that time, um, but she says that he was yelling as if somebody, you know, maybe Brian was out there. Um, so then, once the paramedics show up, she d- does state that she mentioned to the uh, the police officer who had shown up on the scene that there was a boy that she saw in the bushes and the reenactment is really funny uh it just shows yeah, this kid yeah. well, well well she says she hears him like you said she hears him say brian she doesn't see him until the cops actually get there when she witnesses this kid kind of peeking charlie day like yeah charlie from always sunny <laughs> like through the side of the tree right kind of witnessing them and, uh, and this is the reenactment's really funny. He's wearing these little tiny shorts and a little tight T-shirt. And he just runs up the hill as she sees him. Yeah, he looks like he's about he to go play of, some tennis. Yeah, he kind of looks like the ball boy at the I'm French late, Open. I'm late for a squash game. I'll be back. <laughs> uh, squash? <laughs> he's just, he just, he just a lonely ball boy waiting for that fault. Uh, yeah, that's a exactly foul. what he looked like. Um, um, so, yeah, looking into this. The dad, the, apparently the boy did have a friend named Brian. Yeah. And the dad had later asked him what he was wearing that day. And he did say he was wearing a white shirt and white shorts. But when asked by the cops later, he denied even owning those clothes. Hmm. But it gets even weirder. Go on. So um, as Sue, uh, Russell's mom, is at the emergency room, uh, she arrived at the hospital and the name Brian you know, comes up in conversation again. So the, the receptionist asks, how do you want us to handle, you know, anybody that calls to check in on him? And his mom adamantly says, I do not want any information given out about him. And the nurse uh, says there's already been somebody that's called to ask about his condition. His name was Brian. And that kind of is a little bit more cause for. Yeah, she's like, why would anybody know that he was in any trouble? Right. Makes no sense. At that time, the only the people that knew were the family. So. Suspicious, to say the least. Yeah, and people think that, you know, there could be an answer just waiting to be revealed, but people might be scared of the people involved. What, what do you think it would be? Like, I kind of have a theory of, like, how this all kind of went down. Well, there's more. There's lots of. There's more stuff. Like, that's kind of where the case ends, you know. Yeah. No justice for Russell Evans. The parents are still looking. In 1996, there was new witnesses, apparently, that came forward. And they said that they knew the people who Aaron and Russell had gotten into an argument with that day at the park. And apparently they had confessed to killing Russell. Mm. And apparently they ran him over with the car. But the police still maintained that it was a hit and run and didn't look into it. Case closed. So this witness basically said that he was run over by a car after being clubbed by a youth gang, like by a bunch of kids. Apparently seeking revenge. So that's one story. But, of course, nobody was ever charged, and the police maintained their ruling of hit and run. But Dan found some crazy fucking Craigslist story. (laughs) What? Craigslist? Dude, you didn't hear about Yeah, so apparently another witness came forward in, I think it was... uh... I'll read it. I'll read the whole thing. uh, October 28th of 2016, I believe. Let me read it. 
uh, a witness came forward saying that they had talked to someone that was actually involved in the case and goes on to say about like exactly what or what actually happened and it does like some of the stuff they say in this poorly worded uh so list um ad um believe it or not it was in the rants and raves section what of all things um i guess that makes sense right <laughs> i guess uh, Where did but, you um, find this? It's, it, it, it's a huge, long, run-on sentence. I'll, I'll be but glad to read it. But uh, basically, some of the stuff that they explain there would account for certain things that you would find at the crime Yeah, scene. yeah, it's interesting. Okay, I, I'm, this is long, but I'm gonna read it, guys. Who cares? And I'm kind of, and I'm, I've had some drinks tonight. Boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, a half, a half liter of rum. Oh, shut up! I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You'd be dead right now. A quarter. Okay, I'm gonna read this, and like Dan said. Very poorly constructed sentences. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. First me. of all, where did you find this? It Interweb, baby. It, it, yeah, it was like an article about this crazy Craigslist thing in Spokane. and th- It was posted so, in 2016? Okay, Whoa. yeah. Go ahead. So basically, um, not only before you read this thing is, not only has this case has been covered by um, Unsolved Mysteries, um, I believe it's also been on Cold Case or Cold Case Files. Yeah. Uh, but also another podcast, The Trail Went Cold, actually covered this. Yeah, I oh, saw cool. that. I saw that. Mini, mini so nine. And, uh, really? So, uh, I got to check that out. Those guys are really they good. Were, they were the ones that discovered this Craigslist article. Oh, okay. Well, we're not stepping on any toes, but I'm going to read this. And I haven't heard this episode, but I do like that podcast. So I'm, I'm going to go for it, guys. Okay. In 1989, Russell Evans was killed, comma, by ex-Ferris High School students, semicolon. One of them told me he did it and he graduated from Ferris in 1988, period. This is how I was told, comma, for what happened, comma, which killed Russell Evans, colon. A four-door car... Comma, full with four 18 to 20 year old adults, comma, sitting in the back seat of the car was a Daryl, in parentheses, not Darnell, and the killer Thomas J. Grow, parentheses, TJ. Thomas J. Grow, parentheses, TJ, told me they were driving down the hill and they saw a tall kid walking on the side of the road, comma. And Thomas J. Grow said they just wanted to scare the kid, semicolon. The car pulled up next to Russell Evans, like, quote, Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> and grabbed a hold of Russell Evans and took off down the hill. Holding Russell Evans alongside the car, period. When the car took off, comma, down the hill, comma, <laughs> holding on to Russell Evans, comma, Russell's long legs, comma, went back under the rear wheel of the car, comma, while Russell Evans was being held by Thomas J. Grow, the back door window of the car, comma, and Russell Evans' feet were ran over by the wheel. Are you following me yeah. at all? Yeah, yeah, I am. Okay. That is how Russell Evans' shoe was found at the top of the hill, comma, and how the shoe had come off from Russell Evans' That's a sentence, period. <laughs> One sentence. <laughs> Fuck. That was the yeah. first sentence. <laughs> oh, no, that's actually, uh, that's a second sentence. <laughs> At the bottom of the hill, comma, Thomas J. Grow, TJ, let Russell Evans go. And that, and that is where Russell Evans had died. <laughs> Remember that Russell Evans was a tall 12-year, not 12-year-old, no. not 13. 
He was a tall 12 year comma. That maybe was thought to be older because of his height. There's a comma in the middle of there. Yeah, for some yeah. Thomas J. Grow, a year after Russell Evans' murder, comma, had gone to Washington's Walla Walla State Prison for seven years for an assault charge. Grow is the murderer. He told me he was involved with what is said above. You can even – I'm going to read the rest without yeah. <laughs> telling you how bad the grammar is. Yeah. You can even ask TJ's TJ Grow's girlfriend, Holly – I'm sure he told her. Also, if anyone would like to debate me on what I was told, then why don't you first do forensics on the two shoes found on the hill for tire rubber? Or do those shoes exist today in Spokane's Unsolved Mysteries Evidence, sorry, Unsolved Murder Evidence Department? Or could it be a cover-up because you don't see the reward poster that was in on the wall inside Spokane South Hills Roundtable Pizza on Regal Street? What? <laughs> TJ Grow showed me that frame award poster and at that pizza place after he said what happened to Russell Evans. So the kid framed it? The kid framed the reward poster? That's sick. Or he was eating pizza with the kid and he was like, I did that? You see that poster? I right don't there? know, dude. It's so fucking... But they did, did, you, they, did you find what I'm reading? Yeah, Eli? yeah, I found it. And they interviewed okay. this kid, right? Didn't they interview him and give him a polygraph? Yeah, so in... So in 97, he was interviewed and uh, and given a polygraph. And the It's police, bumming me out that this guy can't fucking write. <laughs> the police uh, dismissed it. But, I mean, that is also a, a, a possibility. Like, you, they show the photographs of the shoes. He was basically wearing boat shoes. Yeah. And, you know, like, if, if the tip of the toe of his shoes were to get caught underneath the rear wheel, that would definitely rip the, the shoes off and scatter Maybe them. the shoelaces as well. Uh, as well as the centri- Yeah. So, like, that, that is a possibility. And it would explain, the, like, you know, the three separate puddles of blood because the body was dragged and also would stipulate, like, they were saying, like, when a body is hit and it goes flying, when it makes contact into the pavement, there's usually some skidding that Like is crazy involved. scrapes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there was a lack of that on the body. But if the body was, like, held and dragged and then, like, they stopped and let him go and then, like, sped off, there wouldn't be any dragging. Oh, right. I hate these fucking kids. Yeah, I don't know. Terribly worded, but I don't know. I think that might be our that might be the best one. Did you see? There's somebody named TJ Grow that was yeah commented. yeah. Afterwards, he says yeah that he that he had nothing to do with this. So like TJ Grow commented on even it. even though that like if maybe TJ didn't do this, but those events that this person you know described is a probability of how this could have happened. Could be, and that they just maybe got the names wrong. I mean, shit. Look at look look at the wording. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, we also know that uh, lie detectors are inadmissible in court. And there's a reason, and they suck. Yeah, because they can't. But yeah, I mean, also, I, I feel like if you were a teenager, you'd feel pretty confident saying you didn't. You didn't kill the person because you actually didn't. It was just your, like your buddy or somebody. Well, Trusty, on a conscious you know? level, you would feel that, but on a subconscious level, yeah, you like wouldn't. Like if you killed somebody and someone's asking me, like, did you kill this person? I would be like, I would feel comfortable saying no, probably. Yeah, be, even though I was like because there because we're always yeah, together yeah, while normal. you're murdering people. The the normal no, yeah, like the verbal cue obviously is a giveaway, but that's the thing about the polygraph is like it's looking, you know. How fast you're breathing? How if there's a heart rate elevation? Um, if the perspiration in your body changes? Right. That's what they're looking for because those are subconscious tells. Yeah. 
This is this is a great case, um, unsolved. But I'm glad to move on to the next one um, because it's also really well. well there's an update. Treasure. No. Oh. Did, Fuck the truth. Um, <laughs> the, well, I guess in the episode, the next case is uh, an update about Leanne. I forget her last name. Well, yeah. But it's a real sweet story. I, I, I completely we covered forgot it. we covered this. I must have been really drunk at that episode. <laughs> yeah, that was in your whiskey and ice chewing days. Probably. No, it, it was a really sweet no, Those, are, lost those are my goldfish because days. Because they weren't, uh, like I was telling Eli... Because it, it's the, this lady Leanne, um, her mom died of cancer when they were young. She had two little sis, two uh, a young, a very like a younger brother and sister that were like ten years younger. She was a teenager. The mom died, and they kind of went to go move with the neighbor, who was the mom's really good friend. Oh, I do. But remember CPS that. gets involved, and um, CPS uh, doesn't think that she can take care of the kids because the neighbor already had three kids. So there's six kids living here. So they put up. They decide that the two little kids should be put up for adoption, and they send the older daughter to live with their actual biological dad in Texas, and she's already a teenager. It, and it's so it's so fucked up. I do oh, yeah, just separating kids, but that's a thing. That's what they used but to do. the happy story is that you know as soon as the original episode aired, um, they get a call, um, and the little sister calls the call center and she's like yeah that's me and her older sister was literally waiting at the telecenter to receive the call and it was very sweet and they met up and it was darling darling it was i don't know do we have anything else to add to that it was was really cute it was so sweet it made me want to cry is there a ghost that keeps fucking with your camera oh shit that's weird don't say that dude because i've been hearing stuff outside my window Don't talk about How ghosts. How can you be scared? You have like a family full of adorable don't, children. Don't talk about and two and two dogs. Those dogs don't do shit though. Anyways, moving on. Yeah, we, we covered the, the update. So now we're going to a grizzly dude. This one's fucking um all fucked right. up. Yeah, this one's a doozy. The next case we're gonna be talking about is a wanted case and we're going to take you back to March 2nd of 1976 in Columbia, North Carolina. <laughs> Not too exotic. Um the police respond to a brush fire and when they get there the guy's kind of, you know, he puts the fire out. Um he sees he sees a shovel and an empty gas can so he's like, "Hey, this looks like somebody set it on purpose." And then under the brush and all the ashes, he sees, you know, what Robert Stack says, evidence of murder, but God. really it's just the charred bodies of five human beings, three boys and two women. The reenactment just reminded me of a freaking psycho, like the movie Psycho, not Psycho, um, American Psycho with, uh, what's his name? Um, a far less superior movie, but still very good. With Batman. Christian Bale. <laughs> Christian Bale. Just... Um, sadistic kind of weird cold calculating guy with a suit slick back hair kind of you know ah one of the wall street types yeah real sleazy so yeah these five bodies found burned in this rural area few clues at first nobody knew what to make of it they found some evidence there was like two articles of clothing that were expensive enough that they could kind of pinpoint them to be purchased in bethesda 
And um, but there was not any missing persons in Bethesda to link them to the missing to these bodies yet. There was like nobody had been reported as missing. So March 8th of 1976, which was like five days after all these bodies are found. We get uh, the story and a talking head from this guy's name is amazing. Lieutenant John Sargent. Come on, John, pick one. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's name is John Sargent. He was not at the rank of sergeant, but he was indeed the lieutenant. Wait, what comes first, lieutenant or sergeant? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm Unfortunately, I... I'm just trying to think if he was at one point Sergeant John Sargent. <laughs> so the uh, the hierarchy is police technician, police officer, police corporal, police sergeant, police lieutenant, police captain, deputy police chief, and chief of police. So that means at one point before Lieutenant was... John Sargent was lieutenant, he was Sergeant John Sargent. So he is police Sergeant John Sargent. That is fucking... That's kind of like James St. James. Except for he didn't murder people and wasn't a homosexual club guy played by... A for one, James St. James didn't kill anyone. It was Michael Allen. Oh, James St. James was Seth Green in that terrible low-budget yeah. movie. Yeah. Not terrible. Low budget, yes. Which it's movie are you guys referring to? I don't remember what you guys are talking pa- about. Uh, Party Monsters, oh, Macaulay Culkin Macaulay and Culkin. Seth Green. The lovely, the lovely Macaulay Culkin, Seth Green flick. Yeah. So Lieutenant John Sargent of Montgomery County PD responds to the call on March 8th, which is five days after these bodies are found, of a call about five people missing from their residence. The neighbor um, was actually a respected economist. She, uh, she worked for, like, the government and stuff. She actually shared a driveway, a common driveway with the bishops. And she hadn't seen them, and she thought that was very odd because she was usually the one to, you know, water their plants and pick up their mail and, you know, do all that sort of uh, neighborly things when their neighbors are gone. And she hadn't seen them in at least a week. So the cop meets her in the driveway, and they kind of discuss this. And she's she's just worried because, like, this is just odd. And she actually had keys to the house because she's usually the one who – you know, feeds, you know, does all the neighborly things. Collect so, the mail, pick up the newspapers, feed the goldfish. Okay. Dan? Dust and water the ficus. I, Dan, I got to ask you. you know, ficus? Do you have a neighbor yeah. who you would trust <laughs> to do this? Uh, Sort of, kind of. My mom has lived in the same neighborhood for 40 years, and fuck no, nope, nope. I do and I don't. Oh, there was a lady named Lorraine, but she's, she went with God, or maybe Satan. She was kind of a bitch. I don't know. <laughs> so the neighbor has keys, and the cop who responds sees no reason why not to go in and check. And he said that this was kind of a routine thing that was normally done. You know, oh, people are worried about their neighbors and just go in and check. But once, but even before he gets inside the house, um, in the reenactment, there's lots of leaves and you know newspapers piled up at the front of the door. But he notices droplets of blood right next to the front door, yeah. and this is what immediately and catches that, his attention. And that's suspicious for sure. Yeah. So he opens the door and he sees these droplets of blood continuing through the foyer, as he says. Um, and then they kind of go up the stairs. The bedroom, and he sees a splatter kind of near the, uh, uh, like, 
on the stairway. And then he follows him into a bedroom with just like he said, it was, there's just blood everywhere. Like it, it would have been, it would have been a miracle to place your hand anywhere on the wall and it not be, have some sort of blood on it. Yeah. He, I believe he made a comment like he, he only saw the first room and he stopped because he didn't want to disturb the crime scene. And he mentioned he was, he's been on the force for 12 years. This is the worst yeah. scene he's ever seen. So at that point he's like, yeah, I'm calling this in. Yeah. So Brad Bishop's three sons, his wife and his mother were all missing. And this was spoiler alert, Brad Bishop's house. Um, and to all accounts, very normal family. Apparently, Brad Bishop had a great job as the State Department's Director of Commercial Practices and Trade. We rehearsed that 50 times Official before title. we said it. Thank you, Eli. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> he did that job. Um, um, government job. State job. <laughs> yeah. So they're, at, at this point, they're showing the, the Unsolved Mysteries reenactment is showing... Pictures, lots of pictures of their life, seemingly happy, uh, lots of home videos. There's some home videos in yeah, there. Yeah, that's the worst. And uh, they, they look like a normal family, you know. Looks like he's really proud to be a dad. And, you know, they, they show the birth of their newborn. And it's really, really sad knowing where this case ends up. And then we get a talking head of uh, one of his coworkers who Psycho has killer. a different take. Uh, Roy? say. Talking Heads cool band. Um, so his co-worker Roy Harold had a slightly different take on, you know, the perfect family man with the great life. Um, he said that he was a uh, uh, Roy described Brad as a up and coming guy in the State Department Definitely going places, but he was frustrated in his job that he wasn't getting a promotion. And um, the last time Roy saw him was the day that they put out the list of people that are getting promotions. Yeah, that kind of caught me off guard. Like, I've never worked in an office or a nine-to-five job, but Robert Stack made a comment that, like, he was upset that he wasn't, he didn't get a promotion on annual promotion day. I was like, I, I didn't yeah. know there was like a day that's like set in stone. Like, all right, guys, every well, today's the day we find out who all gets promoted. Yeah, it's, well, in big office like, corporations, it kinda, doesn't seem that out of the it's ordinary. It's kind of like, uh, like, let's see who got the part. That's very, yeah, very, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it did, it did seem like a high school play scenario. <laughs> Eli's right. Um, he was mad that he didn't get a promotion. Um, on. National Promotion Day. A fucking recognized holiday. National holiday, Dan. <laughs> fuck do you know? <laughs> so he saw him on this day where every where they announce, like, you know, when people get promotions, which apparently is a thing. Let's ask our listeners, if you work in a 9-to-5 job, do, do you guys have, like, a specified... Like, I can tell you I work a 9-to-5 job, and I do, I've never heard of a national promotion day, but... I, I took the notes, and I literally did write... This is this is my note. Saw him on promotion day. <laughs> <laughs> the last time he saw him was on promotion day. Just, okay. So Roy, Roy said that homeboy Brad was pissed that he didn't get this new job. And even to the point where he was just like, oh, I didn't get promoted either. And and that Brad was like, well, I'm more qualified than you. And, yeah. and the reenactment 
They had a dick measuring contest right there in no, the parking well, lot. Well, fake, fake Roy in the reenactment is like, well, that's subjective. <laughs> like, he says it's so, like, the fuck? Like, well, that's subjective. Like, that's some <laughs> well, shit. Well, that's your opinion. Yeah. Like, well, that's a subjective, like, what do you mean, fucking, that's subjective. Like, what do you mean you're better, you know, whatever. I thought that was funny. Yeah, that was um, very funny. And um, he he apologized immediately for, like, talking shit and saying he was more qualified and saying that he was sick and he had the flu. So Roy helped him get a taxi and helped him get home. He's like, I'll see you tomorrow. Wait, so whenever I'm an asshole, I could just blame it on being not, sick? Yeah, like, not Sorry I'm a dick today. I have the flu, douchebag. There you He's go. Like, All right, I'll fucking make you a fucking pie. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to use that tomorrow at work. So the next day is when his family was found dead. So he was obviously going through a little more than not getting that big promotion on annual promotion day. The bodies are found on March 2nd. On March 8th, the family is reported missing. It's not till March 18th when rangers at Tennessee National Park, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Oh, it was yeah. smoky, all right. Um, they find his station wagon abandoned. Yeah, his bloodied ass meat wagon. So he had such a big amount, a good amount of time to get the fuck out of there. They found the bodies right away, but they didn't know who they didn't know whose who, who bodies they were. So yeah. it's but, crazy he had such a good amount of time to get away. Yeah, meat wagon they find in the state park. Yeah, covered with blood. What else was in the car? There was some, um, something they, else. It looked like it. they had drag marks. It looked like, from what they could tell, that there were drag marks of uh, blood in in the car. And just by what they found with the car, they were able to. Uh, well, what they it found was, at the car and what they found at the burn site, they were able to um, set yeah. up a warrant, put out right. a warrant for Brad because of the premeditation right. aspect of it. Like this wasn't like. You know, crime of passion. Like he went to the store, bought these things to murder and burn his sure. family, and then he ditches his car. So he definitely planned it. Is well, what, what what also get what helps him in fleeing and not being detected is when this guy was enlisted in the army. His his specialty was counterintelligence, and he sp- spoke five different languages. Hmm. So, so that gave him advantage when when fleeing. Like he, he, he would have known how to fucking yeah, like, slip under the radar. Exactly. Yeah. Like this guy was basically a spy, if you will, for the well, glamming it up. So the day he leaves work, um, after Roy sees him, you know, saying he's sick and sends him in the cab or whatever, the day he leaves work, he withdraws several hundred dollars, goes to a hardware store. Buys a shovel, gas, mallet, and what, like a pitchfork? Yeah, yes. pitchfork. He's yeah. Gonna, he's going to start some shit. And then he goes to a gas station where he fills up. Sorry, I said gas, but I meant gas. Uh, gas canister. Can. So he goes to a Bethesda station, gas station where he fills up said gas canister with gas. And they think he returns to his home around 730 to 8. And um, this is definitely when the kids are already asleep. Even the 14-year-old, that's a little weird. Dude. Um Dude, just think about this. This guy's pissed. I've had a I've had a bad day before. Never in my life have I thought. <laughs> have you ever had such a bad day that you just want to go home and just take a twenty pound sledgehammer to oh, your loved one's no, face? No, no, no. Never, never in it? my life have I thought. Fuck all of this. I'm done. Eli- I'm done. Like never have Eli- I thought. I'm gonna drive myself to the car store. That's the I'm funniest gonna- shit. <laughs> 
I've had a bad day before, but god damn. <laughs> Never have I gone and like, this guy had hours. He had hours to go and plan this meticulously. He, he, he got money out. He went to the hardware store. At the hardware store, like, there's been times when I'm like, fuck, like, uh, I, I, I hate all of this. I hate all this. And then, like, you drive you drive for an hour. You listen to some music. Like, you kind of unwind. You're like, ah, oh, fuck, life's not so bad. You know, I'm going to go home and have a drink. This guy did not think that. This guy went to the hardware store, bought murder things. And then he drove hundreds of miles with his dead-ass family in the back of the car. And now he's like, okay, now I'm calmed down. But I still got my dead-ass family you know what? in the you car. Know, you know Dude. what helps me unwind after I just murdered my family? A nice, calming camping trip to the Smoky Mountains. Do you know what else the Great works? Smoky Mountain National Park in Tennessee. I bet you it's fucking beautiful. You know what else works? It's Tennessee. Whiskey. It's gorgeous. Whiskey works? You know what I bet he thought? He he probably killed them all. Drove out to drove out to those that forest and was like, oh, life's not so bad. Too bad I already killed my family. Well, Right? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, after he got that time to like decompress and just calm down, he's like, oops. Oops. My dead family's in the back. But see, here's the problem, Eli. You, you don't have a wife and a mother-in-law that constantly nags you and tells oh, you that's that right. you're a wash-up and you're a failure. But despite that's what Roy fact, said. Despite the fact that you speak five languages, you are a fucking failure. True. Because you did not get that promotion. Then, then why year. not just kill the mom and take your family and go to go to go take go them to with Florida? You. <laughs> so let me. So let's let's break down what they think happened. Seven thirty or eight, he comes home. Kids are asleep. They think he kills his wife first. She's like reading a book and there's like a bloody mess next to it. She's dead. The book's in her hand. They think she was reading it. Next, they think he killed his mother after she came back from walking the dogs. And then he went upstairs and killed all of the kids who were already asleep. Nobody had any defensive wounds. Unsolved Mysteries does say that it was the wife, then the kids, then the mom. But I read it differently online. I don't know. We don't know exactly the order of, of when people were of killed. Of slayings. But it, it's nice. It shows that like he's still... Eli, has, there's no ghosts. Call dude, I straight, up, it, I straight up heard knocking on the fucking outside. Uh, that's just the tree. Uh, there's no tree the in this window. I just Shut saw... Up. Wait, wait. For, for podcast listener, listeners, I just watched Eli's face via the Skype call like change from like casual talking about murder with his friends to like... Ooh, there's a spooky ghost. You have like five kids, four dogs, sixteen six wives. cats. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go let the dogs out. I'm gonna let the dogs out of their closet, and I'm gonna grab a beer. Give me one second. That freaked me the fuck out. I'm Seriously, all this in. I'm just talking about rear. I'm like, Eli, <laughs> shut up. There's no ghost. I can see it on your face. Well, what I wanted to say, and, and it really doesn't matter if Eli's here or not, is just like, you got to admire the fact that even though this guy did this heinous crime, he still has the heart to take care of his judge a good boy. He kept the family dog. I know. <laughs> Murder the family, keep the dog. So he lights these bodies on fire. He buys some tennis shoes because someone saw him buying tennis shoes. And then he drives 400 miles to the National Park in Tennessee where he leaves the car. You sound so casual. So he lights these bodies on fire, right? As one does. family. <laughs> so casual. Um, and then he just so goes the out and buys some. Found, then he just goes and out sec- and buys himself some free Reeboks, you know? Yeah, and then he gets himself some sweet, bright white Reeboks. 
The bodies are found on the 2nd. His car is found in this national park on the 18th of March. So that's so much time to escape. And there's no indication. They, the cops also mentioned that there's no indication of a possible suicide or an accident. You know, he's just gone. They, they think, like, they literally show in the reenactment, he leaves his car. He takes his dog on the leash that you were mentioned earlier, the family dog. Yeah. And he just leaves from his car I feel like the fucking mountains. I feel like that's the biggest mystery of all. What happened to the dog? He kept him. Uh, the dog led a beautiful long life with them as they fleed the country. Damn it, Dan. Um, I'd like to think we're so. We're only assuming to make ourselves feel better about that judge a good boy. That's that's what happens. You know, when you don't cross your owner, you don't get murdered by a sledgehammer and then burnt in a field. God, it's so <laughs> awful. There was three boys, 14, oh. 10, and younger. It's... Fucking awful. They actually think that he kind of just like straggled behind a bunch of hikers, like a big group of hikers. And, you know, wherever they ended up, he went from there. Just kind of um, blended in until yeah. he was forgotten about. Disappeared from the national park where that car was found. So he covered his tracks and he hadn't been seen in two years until in 1978, 5,000 miles away in Sorrento, Italy. Guess who comes back into the picture? This is so cool. Roy Harold, our buddy who was telling us about his family life and how he saw him last and he seemed a little off, was vacationing in Italy. He said he was about to get on a bus to go to Rome when he was in Sorrento. And he went to go use the restroom before this. Who walks into the lobby of the hotel? Yeah, yeah. No, who walks into the restroom right behind him? Disheveled. Bearded, disheveled, scraggly clothed. Brad Bishop. He turns around immediately and says, "Recognized him right out of the gate." Yeah, he says, "You're Brad Bishop, aren't you?" And he's Brad like, Bishop, is that you? In the reenactment, he's like, "Come with me back to Rome." And apparently, he says, "The guy said, oh no," <laughs> and, and he, like ran wow. out of the room, knocked yeah. over a, a Pratt like Falls a, a table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very clumsily. Terrible physical like, comedian. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, no, yeah, so, <laughs> but in all honesty, he. He says that this guy just like looked at him in the eyes and was like, oh, no, and just darted out of there. And he said he saw him ra- run off into the alleys of Sorrento towards the dock where there was by bi- uh, where the boats would take off and go to Capri and other parts of Italy. And it's fucking cool. That's crazy. I mean, not cool. You know what I mean? Sup, it's just like, like it's in- it's interesting. Oh, the Sup, bitches. Oh, look at him, girl. Look at the bitches. Oh, <laughs> I got some hot bitches. I like how you're drinking your booze with a straw now. (laughs) Can can you put the headphones in? uh, um, Okay, um, Freddy. Not Snowflake. um, Chloe. The better one, the poodle. (laughs) The better poodle. Chloe, Chloe, my girl. Chloe, come here. Pick up that tiny little dog. There you go. Here you go. Here, she can hear you. Go ahead. Hi, Chloe. I love you. What's up, my pretty baby? I'm going to come and steal you. (laughs) She's like, what is this? Where is this coming from? Where is this man coming from? I want to eat you. I love you. <laughs> I've never done that before. That's funny. I so, love Eli's tiny little teacup <laughs> poodle. She's the cutest little stuffed animal that moves. Anyways, murder. Okay. Get off. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, we're going to be talking about treasure next. Because they don't know what happened to this fuck. Over the years, there was there's lots of different stuff on this guy. Like he was seen in a lot of different places. He was seen in Switzerland a lot too. He, um, a lot of coworkers of 
like made eye contact with him over the years and they swore it was him. There was actually a body of a guy who was killed in a hit and run um, walking down the street in 1981 who looked a fucking lot like Brad Bishop. Really? Like exactly like they showed. There was pictures of him. And so they think he died in Michigan in 1981. But then they exhumed this body a lot later and they did DNA and they could confirm one thing. That it was wasn't him. Brad Bishop. Bad. Bastards. They don't know who he is, but there's pictures. There's a picture online if you go into it, and he looks exactly like Brad Bishop, just older. Not even really older. Actually, he does kind of look older. He looks a little more bloated, but it is a dead body. I don't know. Yeah, he was never caught. They put him on the America's most 10 wanted. Most Wanted. Yes. Um, in fact, uh, this case is still very much active with the FBI to this day following up on leads. Wow. So so this case is very much active. Like they're still getting sightings and tips that uh, the FBI is following up on and damn trying to track this guy down. Hopefully they catch him. If you look him up <laughs> online, he's got this uh, I guess like a 3D sculpture bust of what he like an age progression. Yeah, yeah, that one's as new as like 2014 or 2016. And like I, that's uh that's very new. And I got to say it the picture looks familiar. It, I feel like I've heard this story before. I just, I'm not, I can't put my finger on it where, but it's a very interesting case. Look it up. Unsolved Mysteries usually says when they're, or the Wikipedia will also say, like actual Wikipedia will also say what shows featured the case. But there was a lot. Yeah, this guy, it's, it's so diabolical and so wrong and upsetting that this guy never got caught for doing a terrible fucking thing. He murdered his three boys, his wife, and his mother. And then he took their bodies out and just lit them on fire and just got out of there. He had credentials. He had a diplomatic passport. Nobody was looking into any nefarious things having to do with a person of that name. He, he could have left two weeks later and still gotten out of there. Yeah. So there's, I mean, if you look up this case, guys, like there's lots of, uh, we talked about one of the most credible sightings, which was Roy saying he met him eye to eye. And the guy just literally said, oh no. And an obvious bolted, American accent. Bolted bolted. Oh no, you got me. <laughs> um, there, there, there was a couple of other, like, you know, there was a coworker who worked with him a lot who said that he saw him in Switzerland at a park like two times in like a week or something. And she didn't report it because she didn't know that he was wanted for murder. It's just so creepy. And this asshole, I'm sure, I mean, you know, they're still looking for him. This guy is dead and I'm sure he's dead. And I'm sure he lived a long, great life after he brutally and grossly murdered his whole family. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, very so, interesting. Still unsolved. So let's talk about some stupid ass treasure. Yeah, we got a weird treasure. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say it's still unsolved. So fuck. That's <laughs> it. I didn't take much notes on the last one, guys. You know, we're. we're I think. I, I don't know. I feel like most of the people that actually listen to us, they you guys. I don't know. You guys are probably a little soft on the 
on the treasure as well. I'm pretty sure we'll they've they've turned of, us they've tur- all turned us off by now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> if you're turning us off, like oh, thanks for listening to us up till now. All right, treasure, treasure, Arizona, 1864. Some troopers are trying to prospect and find gold in the mountains. You know, people looking for gold in Arizona and mountains. Yeah, Arizona, California. That was big in this time. Everybody looking for their treasures. Everybody out there yeah. looking for that, being miners, you know, looking for that gold, trying to get rich quick. Still, to this day, people are trying to get rich quick. Oh, yeah. The guy with the question marks on his suit from the 90s. Remember those commercials? <laughs> um, anyway, so there's these prospectors who wander into town and they're like super tired and it's some Arizona town. I don't know. I didn't get specifics for this guys. Who cares? <laughs> um, and they're like, Hey, um, we're tired and dying, but there's gold up in the mountains. Great musical cues in this uh, segment. The troopers decide, let's go and look for this darn gold. And you know they're, um, they hire this Mexican. And even H. Ross Perot have used government money programs to help make their millions, and you can too. I'm Matthew Lesko. And you probably see me on Oprah, Larry King, or Letterman talking about government money programs. Well, my new book shows you 15,000 programs you could use to change your life. You could get a better job, get an education, <laughs> or start your own that's the guy you were talking about. Going to give out over Sorry, I, 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 I like what he's selling. Can you still get that book? Programs are the ones who get the money. I got twenty-five thousand dollars from the federal government. I got thirty thousand dollars from the government. But I was able to get money to buy equipment for my business and also a microloan. The government gave me money to live on for six months while I started my own business. Jesus Christ! What's a microloan? The government's just giving all this money away. Matthew Leskow says, call 1-800-306-5200. Again, that number is 1-800-306-5200. Can I try calling it? This podcast is brought to you today by Matthew Leskow Commercials. Guy in a question mark suit. They go looking for this gold in the mountains. The gold is in the mountains. They think it's there. So what happens is they're guided by a Mexican slash native man named Grochi? Gucci? Gochi? 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 Whatever. Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. Um, his name was Gucci, and he was leading the gang. Um, <laughs> and they went through what they called a zigzag canyon. And they, you know, like, there was, like, this piece of mountain, and they thought they couldn't get through. And then Grochi or Gucci, um, Gucci kind of walks through and gets them through there. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is super neat. And... There was like a waterfall, oh and there God, was visible I'm so glad you gold. This guide. And they found a Mousterian bowl. <laughs> so there was a waterfall that they found, and there was visible gold on the ground, like just there, like bomb. And they were like, "This is sick!" And they were, and they were, they all decided. There was a bunch of them. They all decided they were going to split it and do what they did. And they were real excited until these natives came, uh, like a week later, <clears throat> you know, with a bunch of generals, and they were like, "This ain't cool." They, to them, the gold was a natural thing and they considered it the tears of the sun. Like it was part of their, you know, it it should have, it should never be touched. It should be left there. They thought that gold was, you know, the sun crying. It's kind of a beautiful thing, actually. They didn't want, like, like gold was not, um, something, it wasn't value. It was like, it had no value to them. It it, it was more of like a sentimental, like keep it sacred. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. 
they didn't want it to be taken from there, but they kind of decided, you know, these guys are already here. Like, take what you will, get the fuck out. And if there's anybody, we see any white man above the waterfalls in our territory where the gold is, we're going to fucking kill him. And that's our thing. They didn't cuss like me. They weren't terrible. But they made that deal. We will kill them. A few days go by, and one of the settlers goes chasing after a horse on the ridge line that had escaped. And when he returns to the camp, he shows the group a large nugget of gold the size of a hen's egg. And it's literally an egg uh, spray-painted gold (laughs) in the reenactment. Yeah, and then, of course, like the guys who run the operation are like, dude, what the fuck? Like, we got this deal. You're going to get murdered. But it, it was just, what happened was, like, over the time of them mining in that area, the gold fell down from the mountains, and, and it came and washed in from the rivers, and they they started, like, they had, like, little nuggets in a coffee pot that they kind of kept hidden for them in the camp. And that's kind of the way they were going to do it. So at one point they had hidden about 300 pounds of gold. And apparently the natives figured it out, and they kind of went in and fucked them up. They, like, murdered them all, and the two guys were, like, waiting on the mountain, like, oh, shit, all, um, everything we built is uh, getting destroyed. This isn't cool. We out. And these guys, um, you know, fled, and that's when they were, like, talking about all the gold in the mountain, and they were, like, they were penniless, so they spent their, well, at least the one guy spent his whole life looking for all this gold, and he died penniless and drunk in a bar. And um, that's when the thing kind of became legendary. Legendary. And so, of course, all these modern dorks to this day are still looking for it. But you know what's cool is two of these guys that they profile whose names are in the episode but I'm not going to talk about um, because I don't, I didn't write it down. Um, they actually find the waterfall. Like they get, they find a, yeah. an empty waterfall. So Don, Ron Feldman and geologist Mick McPherson. Mick McPherson. That's a cool fucking name. I'm <laughs> glad that you, that you got that information. I Mick did. McPherson. Um, and he's got like, he's bald, but he has like a, he's got bangs. Yeah. He's, he's got really, like bald he's, bangs. He's, he's goofy. Yeah. And, but he wears a cowboy they hat. Found the, they found the waterfall and he's like, when we saw that waterfall, it reminded us of him. And when we didn't find the gold, it also reminded us of him. So he thinks that the guy who eventually wrote about this, um, went and found the gold and kind of wrote the story in a misleading way and just didn't tell anybody that he had the gold or there was no gold or somebody got, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, hard to tell one of those modern treasure yarns. I don't know. Is anybody interested? Is anybody still listening? <laughs> <laughs> what? So one interesting thing about this is in this empty waterfall, they found some of this railroading equipment, which would have been the guy who would have looked for it second. And so they kind of believe that this guy might have actually found the treasure. And that well, they did there's mention nothing that to find. When they went digging, they, they discovered a, a piece of a railroad tie, yes, um, some rusted equipment that would be used in a mining operation, but yeah. more importantly, a uh, potting pet. Pa- yeah, a, like I said, a Mousterian bowl. <laughs> yeah. A, and, what was it? Philosopher's Stone. And they found Brandon Frazier. He was encased in ice. And uh, (laughs) this is how Encino Man started. Let's go panning for gold. Hey, we saw Fantastic Beasts uh, 2, Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh, how was it? 
Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I love like Harry, I love Potter, Harry Potter. There's 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 nerdy stuff all over it. We, oh, you, have to, you have to hashtag protect the secrets. We won't let J.K. Rowling down. Did you? It's a fun movie. I love it. Yeah, so nobody knows what happened to the gold. Yeah, my favorite part about the end of this, I pointed it out to Dan, was that um, it's this guy was like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're pretty close to finding it." Um, and then uh, and then Robert Stack says, "Some people think they're wrong that it might be in a complete other part of the country," and then. You're like, okay, then what part of the country? And then it's just like cuts to cuts the off. closing credits. <laughs> that's, it. that's it. Fuck you. But that's okay. It's treasure. Like I would have gladly heard See, even, more about the first. Even Robert first Stack was over it. He's case. like, you know, some people say it was in the other part of the state. Good night. There you go. What are you going to do? People are going to quit their jobs to go find treasure? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of next week, we're talking about the many faces of Patrick Michael Mitchell. Ladies' man, gourmet cook, notorious bank robber. I did see that, <laughs> that reenactment. <laughs> it was like many faces, and it was like, oh, in this one he has a beard, and in this one he has funny curly hair. Yeah. <laughs> in this one he's wearing a Nixon mask. In this one he has a little helicopter hat, and in the <laughs> next one he has both the beard and the curly hair. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to be talking about that dude. Uh, we're also going to be talking about uh, some other fun uh, cases. Uh, we're also going to be talking about a... Oh, God. I think we're going to be talking about a Lost Loves, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, okay. We're going to be talking about a... Oh, this is kind of, this is kind of depressing. So uh, a little boy who was kind of left to fend for himself during the Depression... Um, oh, it's a lost loves, yeah. Yeah, lost loves. He's he needs your help, you know, trying to find his family. Uh, we're also gonna be talking about an eerie tale from Nevada. Uh, oh yeah, ghosts. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about, about some that. ghosts in a haunted house. Uh, so two families claim to be living in the same house, both have different experiences. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, it was like some was just a little bit of spooky nonsense, and some of it was like, hey, these ghosts want to hurt us, so that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Um, with a stack pack on Twitter and Instagram, please, if, you lis- if you're actually listening, please like leave a review on iTunes. Yeah. It really means the world to or us. Give us some feedback. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 if you want us to do better, tell us how. And if you want us to do more, just say that you like us, because, I mean... Well, we're going to do more. It's good. But uh, we're being real desperate, babies. <laughs> Let us know that you're listening. Come on. Yeah. Um, for Eli. Eli really cares. I, I love care. reviews. I'm just kidding. I no, love reading I, reviews. We, we all really care. We makes, all love it. It makes you We really all love wet. to know that people love it. Yeah. It makes us really happy to know that people are listening to shit we put Very out. Very so it, it makes us feel happy that you know, people actually listen to our, uh, us and give a shit. Like, we're not just drinking rehashing old stories that will never be solved thanks for the support either way um wherever you're listening to even if you don't have itunes or apple products that'd be cool if you left a review at any of those places but um it really means the world to us um that you're hanging out with us um we're the stack pack on twitter instagram facebook um we're all separately on those things i'm at d-a-v-y-h-o-w davy Howell on twitter and instagram road underscore dan and as always i'm big bad vinyl dan for every mystery, there's somebody somewhere who knows the truth, and perhaps that someone is listening, and perhaps that someone is you.